Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. So y'all, what a weekend. You know, y'all, we got painters in all week. We had Fall Fest yesterday. We sold some pumpkins. The LeBlanc family sold some pumpkins Friday night. And then we started a second worship service. Well, I guess this is the second worship service. At 9 a.m., we gathered together and did some traditional style worship. It was a new thing for us. A lot of churches, they start with traditional and then they head towards uh, contemporary. We're kind of going in the reverse order. Because for me, I grew up with contemporary worship. I'm so young. Contemporary worship was a thing that was coming real popular in the 90s. And so I'm used to hearing drums and guitar and worship. What I'm not used to is hymns. And I like them. They're cool. So if you've never experienced traditional worship or you'd like to give it another try with a shepherd's kind of twist to it, I invite you to come uh, next Sunday at 9 a.m. and just try it out. It's a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. We started a second service because we saw a need in our neighborhood. We knew that if someone wanted to come and be a part of this congregation, but they they wanted to worship in a traditional style, we didn't have a space for them. And we wanted to open the door a little bit wider to people that connect with God the most through hymns and and prayer and, and, and reflective style of worship. And so we did that because of our love for our neighborhood. And so this morning, we have a lot of visitors, and and we're starting a new season in our life as a church, and so I wanted to share a word that says, welcome to shepherds, to hear about who we are and why we are the way that we are. Who we are is tied to who we love, and at this church, we love our neighborhood. Who we are is tied to who we love, and at this church, we love our neighborhood. Our passage this morning is from the book of Matthew, unlike what your bulletin says. Thank you to my proofreaders that told me after the first service, and the bulletins were already printed, but Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. So so hear the word of the Lord. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, or let me translate that for Polk County. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! Let me explain that. So in Methodist tradition, we say thanks be to God after we 
read God's word. And, and usually we say it in a tone that, you know, sounds like we just opened up a bag of carrots on Christmas morning. Not a lot of enthusiasm. So we decided to add the ancient Hebrew word of woo uh, to be said when you're on a roller coaster to remind us that we actually have joy over God's word. So our passage this morning, Christ is talking about the end of the story. You know, this is a passage talking about what what Jesus will sound like at the end of the story. You see, the end of the story is oftentimes what we care about. I have begun to learn how to read fiction again after many years in seminary of just reading what old dead people thought about God. So I'm learning this new skill of reading fiction. It doesn't actually have to be true in order for me to read it. It can be just fun to, to read it. And I'm diligent. I begin at the end, and I end at the end, right? But I have friends. They'll read the first page or the first chapter or just the first page, really, and then they'll go to the end, and they'll read the last chapter, the last page. Can you imagine these heathens? I can't even fathom the idea of doing that. The ending is the most important part to me. I can't read that, or I won't know why it matters. I have to read the book from beginning to end. But the end of the story is what we care about, right? You know, the end of the story where the shark finally gets it, where Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, where Elsa saves Anna, and the boat sinks, and Rose totally has enough room on the door to pull Jack up, but she doesn't for some reason. We care about the end of the story, and and what Jesus cares about is telling us this whole story. But friends, what, let's look at this passage and see what does Jesus care about the, the most? What does Jesus care about at the end of the story? Jesus cares about how we treated people. At the end of all of this, when the story has concluded, what Jesus cares about is how we treated people. See, because who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. So why do we care what Jesus thinks? Why care about Jesus at all? You're going to hear me say that name a lot. Maybe some of you, this is your first time in church or uh, one of the earlier times you've ever been uh, at church and and you're learning about this Jesus guy and why we're so obsessed with him. Well, uh, we as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the way that all of creation will be made right. You see, we don't think that Jesus is just a nice guy. We don't think that Jesus was just a good teacher. We don't think that Jesus is someone that we just want to put on a t-shirt and and emulate because we think he's cool. We actually believe that all of creation will be made right because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the work of Jesus is to put things right. That's why Jesus is here on earth. You know, we all can look around at the world and see that things are a bit out of tune. We can see that, that when we watch the news, when we talk to a neighbor, when we look within our own hearts, we realize things aren't how they're meant to be. We believe that Jesus came and dwelt among us to put things back in order. That powerful thing when you clean your desk, when you finally clean out your car, when you can see your floorboard once more, it feels like things are as they should be. Jesus is doing that but with all of our lives, with our neighborhood, and with the world around us. And see, the church exists to make this world right. Yesterday, like I said, 1,037 people came and visited us, 
And we handed out candy and people went and got kebabs from vendors or hot dogs and maybe some seafood or those little frozen drinks that had more sugar than like the Surgeon General thinks we should have and, and kids washing it down with candy, you know. And we saw that it didn't just happen because we were looking for something to fill the whittling hours of the day. We were doing that to make things right. Because I believe that kids should be safe, heard, and loved wherever they are. And they aren't, friends. We know, we see in our neighborhood, we see in the news, we see in our own lives that, that this world is not how it's meant to be. And so why do we gather on Sunday mornings? Why do we have trunk or treats? Why do we have fall festival? Because we can make the world right on these 10 acres for just a little while. When we worship together, we can put the world back together as it's meant to be, just as Jesus tells us here in this passage. Because who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. And let me tell you about my neighborhood. Our neighborhood stretches around the entire planet. Our neighborhood goes to the ends of the earth. As United Methodists, we follow this guy named John Wesley. He was an Anglican priest uh, right before the American Revolution, a bit neurotic. I'll tell you more about that some other day. But one of the things this hot mess said was, the world is my parish, meaning the whole world is my church. You see, the work of the church sees no borders. So when we talk about our neighborhood, we aren't just talking about Mulberry, South Lakeland, Polk County, we are talking about the whole world. If you look at a map, if you look at that globe, you'll see lines that people have drawn in the sand, walls that have been built, maps have been drawn to let people know where people like them are and where people are not like them are. But here in this church, here in our passage in Matthew 25, those borders have melted away. See, the work of the church sees no borders. You see, we have a sister church named La Florida in Camagüey, Cuba. And though I don't have the same experience as that church, though I don't really speak Spanish very well, though I have tried so hard for so long, so long, um, it's muy difícil. Uh, I do know that we worship the same God. There was this time when I was in college, I was an intern in a youth ministry, and we went to Mexico to build a house. And someone asked the grandmother, the abuela of the neighborhood, to come and pray over the house as a dedication. And guys, I hope you're sitting down. She started praying in Spanish. <laughs> and me, as, you know, just uh, English-only ding-dong from Polk County, was like, well, wouldn't you know it? God knows Spanish. <laughs> Look at him. He's so talented. And a deeper, more meaningful thing arose within me when I realized that God doesn't know Spanish. God speaks Spanish. God dreams in Spanish. God exists. Every language, French, Portuguese, all the languages that I don't know and wish I did, God knows those languages as if they are written in the fabric of God's being. And so, of course, the work of the church sees no borders. Of course, our sister church lives in Cuba. 
And, and something exciting that I want to share with you for the first time today um, is a new partnership that our church has developed over the last uh, couple of weeks with a wonderful organization called Zoe Empowers. Tyler, will you play the video for us? Zoe Empowers was organized in 2004 as a response to the orphaned and vulnerable children from the AIDS pandemic. In late 2006, there was an overage of funding and the board wanted to invest it instead of just putting it out there. And they were introduced to a Rwandan social worker named Epiphany Mujuamana. And she became frustrated by what she saw as a cycle of relief and dependency on that relief. Epiphany started asking the question, there's these desperately economically poor young people. What would they need in their lives to be able to stand on their own feet and never need charity again? What Zoe Empowers has found is a three-year community-based, indigenous-led empowerment program where the young people are actually able to take the lead in their own journey out of poverty. They're able to become safe and healthy, skilled for long-term success, and able to live meaningful lives wrapped in layers of community. One of the distinctives about Zoe Empowers is the level to which the young people take the lead in their own journey out of poverty. Zoe only has one staff per thousand orphan children in the program. The Epiphany found that if there were too many adults in the room, the young people would never take their own authority. I'm excited about the future and the possibilities. If we grew 30%, Year over year for the next 11 years, we would have over a million young people being empowered in the program and over 800,000 already graduated. People are starting to recognize that these young people have skills and they have abilities and what they lack is opportunity. So our church, in partnership with our district here in this area of Florida, have sponsored a student in the Zoe Empowers program, which means that when you give of your tithes and offerings, when you practice generosity here, not only do you make it possible for us to do ministry here on these 10 acres, friends, you are helping a kid who was born into a horrible situation create a life of beauty and independence. You've heard the old adage of teach a man to fish, he'll eat for his whole life. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. What I love about Zoe Empowers is it realizes that a lot of these kids, they already know how to fish, but someone came and took their rod. And what we get to do is give it back to them and see, wow, you sure are talented. You, God sure does speak your language, huh? It isn't just us handing out what we have, but rather returning with justice back to those who have had things taken from them. Because friends, our neighborhood is the whole wide world. And who we love or who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. So we've talked about the world. Let's bring it in a little bit closer. We love this city. This property, these 10 acres that you're on, have been given to the neighborhood freely. You may have seen our community garden plots. Those are plots that are given to members in our community that lease them so that they can grow their own vegetables, they can grow their own flowers, their own herbs. 
It is an opportunity for us to allow people to connect back to the earth, to remember that God is a creator, and to find their own community. Our playground is full every day of the week. Kids playing, teenagers avoiding their parents, all sorts of wonderful things. It is theirs for the taking. We have this property. We've been gifted this property, this building, this 10 acres, so that we can love the world around us. This church exists for this city because this city needs Christ. We know that our neighborhood will never be changed unless they have a life-changing interaction with the God of the universe who so desperately wants to know them. Yesterday, we raised money for Medilla. We sold tickets so kids could get on hayrides and could get their face painted and to do all sorts of other things. And we haven't got the final numbers, but we believe we have raised around $1,500 from Medilla Elementary. Isn't that amazing? And I talked to their principal, Gail McLeod, uh, yesterday, and she already knew how it was spent, which is wonderful. And so we as a church, we're going to be able to help them uh, educate kids that need to know that God loves them and need to know that a local church loves them. A church must always ask, who would notice if we were gone? If the worship music stopped playing, if the doors were locked, if someone sold this property, built an, an apartment complex or a storage facility or an Arby's, who would notice that we were gone? In some churches, friends, let's be honest, people wouldn't notice. They might notice when they go to get married or they go to baptize their kid or they're looking for a place to have a funeral. But our church, friends, here at Shepherds, you know, people would notice quickly. People would notice quickly because there wouldn't be any turkeys at the turkey trot at Medilla. La Florida would notice because no one would pay for the cell phone that allows them to do ministry. People would notice that our love and our care for our city was gone. That is why this church exists, to be noticed if we were gone, to remind people of God's love, to serve those who Christ calls us to serve in our passage this morning. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. I didn't have any clothes and you gave me clothes to wear. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. What do we do if not those things, friends? Amen? That is why this church exists. Who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. All right, so we've talked about the world. We've talked about the city. Let's talk about the world within. Let's talk about our very souls. Friends, we cannot be like God if we are not in community. There are plenty of people. This is a rising belief within our culture that we don't need other people in our lives that we can do it on our own. But I'm a Christian, and I believe in this, this little mystery called the Trinity. See, I believe that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. Now, logically, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'll be really honest with you. But that's why we call it a mystery. That mystery allows me to understand that if I'm truly to reflect the nature of God, I cannot do it on my own. I need other people in my life. 
I need people that I can pour into and people that can pour in to me. I need people that can challenge me to grow, to push beyond what's easy. And I need to push others onward into following Christ. I know that if I'm going to be like God, I need community. How many of you have ever heard of the loneliness epidemic? How many of you heard about it at 9 a.m.? There's this epidemic happening in our country and in a lot of Western countries. That report, specifically in the United States, over half of the U.S. reports feeling lonely. Over half of the U.S. And can I tell you an even more difficult part of that statistic? Most of the respondents who are lonely, young people under the age of 30, feeling lonely, feeling isolated, feeling like no one would notice if they were gone. Friends, we cannot live in a world where people feel that they don't matter. Because this church must be the force that ends loneliness. We must be that point in the community that people can go to and know that they are welcome, that they are safe, heard, and loved. Because it's not happening anywhere else. As we get more and more disconnected, the church gets to step in and say, you are welcome, you are loved, you are needed, friend. Because who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Friends, what would it look like if followers of Jesus began to see every stranger as the king of the universe? God in front of us, here in our midst. What if we could welcome every stranger as if they were the God of the universe? Come to spend some time with us. Because who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. You see, the end of the story isn't all of the story. Every breath we have is a chance to write a great story with a better ending. Every breath we have is a chance to write a great story with a better ending. What, what would it look like, friends, if we could find ourselves on the deck of the Titanic telling everyone to get on the lifeboat? Find Rose and ask her, hey, maybe make some room for Jack on the door. Guys, the water is cold. Look out for the icebergs. What would it look like if we could tap Bruce Willis on the shoulder and say, he's telling you he sees dead people and he's talking to you. Put it together, bud. What if we could tell Elsa to just maybe, I mean, let it go. Like, you know, talk it over, get a therapist. BetterHelp is the sponsor of today's service. You know, go and, and, and maybe uh, find something out. What if we could go to that coastal Massachusetts town and tell everyone to stay out of the water? There's a shark and get a bigger boat. What if we could do those things? We could change the story. But friends, good news, we can. We write and rewrite this story together. Look back in your life. Look back in your life and think of those that saw you at different points of your story and decided to rewrite it. I can tell you the names. I can tell you the names of the people that rewrote my story time and time again, who gave me a safe place in a, in a life that I had where I did not have a safe place at home, who came and welcomed me fully, 
even though I was an annoying and obnoxious teenager, that loved me completely, even though I thought I knew everything at 22, that loved me completely and wholly when I came to be the pastor of their church. We write and rewrite these stories to have a better ending. So friends, won't you join us? Because friends, as we write and rewrite this story, we need more voices. It's not enough if it's my voice. I'm not a soloist, amen? Amen. We are a chorus of people writing and rewriting the story of God in South Lakeland and around the world, amen? Join us, be a part of this chorus because who we are is tied to who we love. And at this church, we love our neighborhood. Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.